0: previously on research rank repeat we told you we'd be back by the end of the year yeah we're back we are gonna edit our christmas list we have three new movies i picked a movie Alyssa picked a movie and we let a random generizer pick a movie for us generizer (laughs) uh (laughs) randomizer randomizer last year you were attacked by a spider yes how the spiders stole christmas yes but the children love the book books. First thing I wrote. <laughs> but the uh, children, Was it, love it really? The yeah. But the children love the books were the first thing I yes. wrote right at the top here. I also wrote oh, that. Oh my god. Amazing. Will Ferrell totally bought into this role and just like went with it. And that's why the movie works. And I have to say I agree. Clarence does not appear, Hannah, until an hour and 48 minutes into the film. I wrote a I've, note. I had forgotten that it took I know. that long. I wrote a note that I said, interesting, you technically hear about Clarence at the beginning you aren't re- reintroduced to him until there are 30 minutes left. Which is crazy to me. Yeah, Had a 5.4 out of 10 on IMDb, a 22 out of 100 on Metacritic, and a 5% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> it is a 5%? I think 5% is a little low, honestly. Chris Columbus, who did Home Alone, yes, made this? He, he produced it, yeah. Oh no. I know. No, he doesn't get arrested for cocaine use in this film, but maybe that would be better. Good old Midwest dad terrorizes the neighbors, commits almost cat murder, and tries to put the mailman in a coma. But with a neighborhood like his, I almost can't blame him. Why the fuck are these people so goddamn nosy, Hannah? I don't know. They're so concerned with their people's business. They're like, you're not having your Christmas party? You're not ordering Christmas cards? Also. Do these people not work because they're no. all home during the middle of the day and it's kind not COVID? the fuck alone. They don't work from home. Uh, you can let us know your favorite Christmas movie. You can let us know if there's a Christmas movie you'd like us to watch next year. Anything like that. Yeah. We'll probably do and another three or five. Yeah. Three to five, I think. Yeah, depending how motivated we are. Really depends on how motivated um, we are. But we'll be back next year, probably. Yeah. See you then. I believe. Yeah. <laughs> I believe I believe I <laughs> believe welcome this is research Rinker Pete uh, I'm one of your co-hosts Alyssa this is co-host Hannah meow we've got lots of meowing uh, going on over here cash wants to button and we are back for our third year of doing our Christmas films uh so great news everyone The writers and acting strike is over because that really uh, shifted a lot of our plans for the end of the year, which means we didn't do our Halloween movie that we were planning to do, but just in time, we can do Christmas movies. So we're back. We're doing another three. Hannah, are you excited? I'm very excited about this year. You know, this year is not it. 2023 is not it. I have a feeling it might not be that year for a while, but you know- I like Christmas movies. hmm Not in the Christmas spirit, but we'll get into it. Yeah. That's perfectly fine. Yeah. I, my Christmas spirit is uh, I'm drinking peppermint tea, mm. and I have my Jingle Bell earrings on and Christmas colors, and that's about, that's my Christmas spirit. My Christmas spirit is in 2019 with the rest of my body. Yeah. So. Pre-COVID. Yeah, what a time. Pre-COVID. So, Yeah. Uh, So following our trend from last year, uh, what we've decided on is that we are going to be doing Hannah picks one movie, I pick one movie, and then according to Hannah's words, we found a generizer, which I love, I had forgotten that you would said that when I was checking out the the old uh, clips from uh, last year's episode, Mm -hmm. a randomizer to pick us a Christmas film. Yes. Do we want to reveal the three before we start or do we just want to jump into a movie? You know, let's let's reveal the three. Okay, I'll start with my pick, which sure is Alyssa's been waiting for this movie for a very long time. Um, she cries every time she sees this, and that would be pain. And that would be the Polar Express. Yeah, the Polar Express. Yeah, if you just believe, enthused. If you just believe, yeah, it almost will be over. (laughs) Last year I went real old. I went to the 30s, but I was ready for more modern day. A classic, a favorite. Home Alone. Home Alone. It's my choice of this year. Home Alone. Yes. <laughs> and then we did our generalizer. We did. And uh lo and behold, we were both shocked when we got Babes in Toyland. The 1934 version. Apparently, there's many, many versions. Yes, it's highly adapted. Yeah, so that that happened. Unfortunately, we could find it because our rules are: if we can't find the film in a reasonably legal esque way, then we're not going to do it. Uh, This this whole movie is available on YouTube right now. And of course, it's perfect quality. Nothing wrong with it. We can't even have the excuse of, oh, the quality wasn't good. We can't use this The one. quality was great. The quality yeah, was, was great. Quality. I mean, it's a black it and white great. film, but still. Yeah, There you know, are versions of the film that they've recolored, but yeah. I don't know where those are and I didn't care to watch it, so. The one thing that got me was they did not have subtitles. Oh my God, I, couldn't, Hannah, I, I wrote, couldn't get subtitles on that. I went to click it on and it said no subtitles available and I went, no. Yeah, which is not fun when you're trying to focus and come up with lines and... I think older films, too, sometimes the the stereo sound quality, like, it just kind of, like, the mixing wasn't there, again, because it's the 30s, so, like, it's hard to hear what people are saying, or singing. I I could not follow any of the lyrics of any of those songs. Nope. So, yeah, those are the three films. I think we should start with Babes in Toyland. You want to start with it first? Well, because you have two movies to do, and I have one. I do. So I think we should split, Split put mine in the middle i mean okay, it's your choice rather... would you like to start with babes in toyland or home alone yeah let's you know what let's I get think we should end let's, positive. let's start with let's start with babes in toyland okay so hannah i just wanted to ask for an update as well because last year and the year before for our christmas episode we've had the mention of our website for a podcast do you have any update on the status of that website Okay, so going on to Babes in Toyland. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to take that as a no updates, which is fine. Babes in Toyland, known by many alias names, it actually, I will get to those in a bit later because there's context for why it has so many different names, is a film that was released in 1934, it has a runtime of an hour and seventeen minutes, and uh, it wasn't rated um, because it was the '30s and they didn't really have ratings then. So unrated is what I'm going with. So this is an, a Laurel and Hardy musical Christmas film. So for those of you who don't know, Laurel and Hardy were a British American comedy duo that were well known for the like classical area, like classical era of Hollywood, where they and it originally did silent films and then transitioned into um, Uh, like a slapstick comedy, kind of like Three Stooges, when that, like that type of physical comedy was really popular, like 30s, 40s, 50s. So the movie is based on the 1903 operetta, or operata, uh, excuse me, I'm not up to date on all my opera terms, by Victor Herbert. And the movie was directed by Gus Mines and Charles Rogers. And so although the movie is based on this operata, operetta, It uses some of the characters likeness and it uses six musical numbers from, from that. However, the plot very like deviates drastically from the original to this adaptation. Like it's really not the same story. It's pretty different. Some of the characters are the same based in fairy tales, based in Toyland, but they like travel to Toyland in the original, like children do. I believe is is from my memory, because I've seen an adaptation of this film, like of Babes in Toyland, but it's been so long and I don't really have much to remember about it. I just remember like two children is my main memory, kind of like a Hansel and Gretel situation. They initially were gonna produce this film in 1930. The studio was called RKO, but there was a backlash against musicals in the fall of 1930, so they scrapped the movie idea. Apparently, people hated musicals in 1930. I'm not entirely sure why mm-hmm. that happened. Maybe because of the great I don't know like Great Depression. People got really depressed. They were too and depressed, depressed for to musicals. Me. She would repressed for musicals. That's a possibility. I was trying to think. I'm like, why specifically 1930? But anyway, in 1933, it was um, revisited, and then they were able to produce the movie. Then a few years later, there was uh, regrets that the film was not shot in Technicolor. It was initially aired in black and white, and only exists in black and white um, because all of the sets of Toyland were all vivid story like storybook colors, and like were really like detailed and vibrant. And so there exists, like, later colorized versions of this film. I think one was released in, like, 1960, and another one was released a bit later. And then, my favorite tidbit of information, Hannah, is that Walt Disney approved the use of Mickey Mouse in this film. He was there? Yeah. Yeah, Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Uh, We'll get to that. I have so many thoughts about Mickey Mouse being in this film. The critical review to this film was positive. As one uh, person who reviewed the film said, quote, an authentic children's entertainment. The first theatrical release of this film actually lost money. So they didn't make any money and they didn't have any box office, any like monetary numbers that I could find anywhere. So I don't have any like specific details on that. But the film was actually re-released several times And they changed the name to try to trick people into seeing the movie because they thought they wouldn't know it was the same film. So this movie is also known very commonly as March of the Wooden Soldiers. It's also known as Laurel and Hardy in Toyland. And um, Revenge is Sweet is another title that has gone Mm -hmm. by in the past. So this is known as a Thanksgiving Christmas holiday film as during like re-releases re-releasing films on TV mm-hmm. that became a thing kind of like what happened with It's a Wonderful Life where like it became more popular because it was being played on television so it's kind of like that became a Thanksgiving Christmas holiday film it has um at a 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb 100% on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> And a 3.3 out of 10 on Letterboxd. A 3.3 out of 5, excuse me. now time for my summary. With a five-minute cameo from Santa, this film somehow became a Christmas classic. In a true fever dream of fairy tales, the Peep family must find a way to avoid foreclosure on their shoe home and prevent the evil Mr. Potter, Scrooge, Barnaby Banker from marrying Little Bo Peep in Toyland. Jarts will be launched, <laughs> pigs will be kidnapped, and cursed Mickey Mouse will haunt your dreams. What was this? This is insane. Insane! Uh, the, it's horrific. The pigs? Like, it's, it's just a mask. The pigs! <laughs> it's just a The mask. pigs. So, the costume of the pigs is like uh, like a... Almost like a paper mache mask, like a rubber mask. No, it's like rubber because when hor- he was drinking yeah. something, he opened it's his mouth. horrifying. Yeah, the pigs are horrifying. You have a a small, probably what is a capuchin monkey yeah. dressed up in a Mickey Mouse mask and costume. Horrifying, like early days of Mickey Mouse. We're not talking modern day Mickey. It's not. It's not your kid's it's Mickey. It's, it's your grandmother's it's Mickey. <laughs> And this monkey, I'm like I'm like, is this monkey okay? Like, and I went to look up to see if I could find any details about the monkey that played Mickey Mouse. And the credits just say Mickey Mouse as himself. <laughs> so I don't know what monkey played what monkey played Mickey Mouse, but I'm like, this monkey was working overtime. Yeah. Like he was in a hot air balloon, he was parachuting, he was, he was throwing over. bricks, like running around, oh. like all the while in a mass that I sh- I'm sure shit couldn't see out of. Yeah. It was something. Um, <laughs> I texted Alyssa last night because I was watching this movie, yeah. and I was like thirty minutes in, and I was like, "I don't think this is a Christmas movie." Mm-hmm. And then I was like, "Oh, Santa showed up. Never mind." But he shows up for like two minutes, and then he's gone. So the the plot of this movie, like, it's in Toyland. So you've got like Little Bo Peep, yeah. you've got Mother Goose, you've got like the Pied Piper, um, but one D of them is Tweedledum. Santa's. Tweedledee and Tweedledum, but you also got Santa's workshop. So Laurel and Hardy work in the workshop, and so Santa shows up, um, and they build him these humongous wooden toy soldiers, who then, when they start up, just, like, destroy the workshop and push Santa into a present. And then he just goes, ho, 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 yeah. That's my uh, interpretation of Santa in this movie. Yeah. So there's some musical numbers. I didn't get, gather anything... From those musical numbers. They're pretty much only sang by Little Bo Peep and the Pied Piper and nobody else sings yeah. in this movie. Pretty much. They're also like boring as hell. Like this movie was an hour and 17 minutes, but yeah. I could not have checked the time, <laughs> the amount of time left more times than I did yeah. in this one. It's a bit rough. My other thing I liked is um, there's a part where because they can't pay their mortgage... Wait, where's my phone? I, I found a review on Letterboxd that I liked, so I um I just <laughs> wanted to read somebody's review. It's by uh, someone with the name of Liz. Why does a place called Toyland have evil bankers and predatory mortgages? I'm going to be having nightmares. Yeah. So basically, the Peep family, the Boat Peeps family, they can't afford their shoe home, so this Barnaby, 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 I think is his name? Mr. Barnaby. Barnaby, he's like a, the evil banker. Yes. He's the Mr. Potter of "It's a Wonderful Life." Comes in and is like, "You can't pay your mortgage. Uh We're going to evict you, or your daughter could marry me." Yeah. And initially, she's like, "No, I'm in love with someone else." And her mom's like, "Fuck you." Yeah. Uh, but then she's like, "Fine, I'll do it. I got to save the family because they basically the Laurel and Hardy get like dunked yeah. in water, like waterboarding." They get, like, waterboarded. And I I honestly was laughing because as he's... There's a part where it breaks and he's underwater and you just hear... <laughs> like, clearly ADR, like, added after the effect. Yeah. And it was just, like, so jarring how loud it was compared to everything else that I was like, yeah. this is funny. I was like, I actually enjoyed that bit of physical comedy. That part was funny yeah. to me. I, I mean, I don't have a ton to say about the general, like, Mm-mm. everything with the plot. But I will say, the last... 10 minutes had a lot of good stuff yeah it was entertaining yeah. i just think that there yes. wasn't really much of a payoff because the mr barnaby really. just like hit in a door and that was it, mm-hmm. it i don't know it it was it definitely picked yeah. up towards the end because i'm not gonna lie yeah. the first like hour i was like okay like it was rough I'm, yeah. i was like not interested i was like i don't really care but the last, like, 20 minutes were pretty solid. My problem, though, is that yeah. this isn't a Christmas movie. No, I, I agree. It's not really a Christmas so, film. So, I um, mean, Santa was there, but yeah, it wasn't even taking place on Christmas, because it was, like, July. He, it was July, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. at least Die Hard, you can argue, like, oh, it takes right. place on Christmas, it's and on there's, Christmas. like, elements, there's, like, it's a part Christmas party, and there's, like, elements of it. But this, it's, like, you can't even make that argument. Hannah, Santa's in it. I don't give a fuck if Santa was in it. Yeah. I did, yeah. So the the part that I did like, and I do think it's actually pretty technologically advanced, is they have these wooden soldiers, like a ton of them. Yeah. And it's like almost claymation initially where they like walk out. And I was like, that's surprising for 1930s. Did you get chills? Because everyone on YouTube said they got chills. I did not get chills. I just thought it was cool. It was cool. I liked the music during the scene. And then my favorite bit- By far, was Mickey Mouse Mm -hmm. parachuting, one in a hot air balloon throwing shit, um, and then getting hit and having to parachute down was by far the most entertaining part of the film. That and the jarts. I really liked the return of the Lawn dart. Big fan of them just hitting everybody with darts, you know? You do what you gotta do. Sometimes you gotta do it. The other thing that I wanted to bring bring up, just because I thought it was funny, is, well one... Laurel and Hardy eat sausages that they think one of their pig neighbors was made out of. Which I think is sadistic, uh, first and foremost. Secondly, there's one point where this boy is sitting on the toy soldier's leg and just getting carried around with him. And I was like, we used to do that as kids to our dad. Yeah. We used to each sit on a leg. Yeah, and make him walk us around. And I was like, you know what? I support this child. He's doing good things. It's no wonder he's got knee problems. (laughs) We destroyed them we took out two meniscuses. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That shouldn't be funny. It's, it's, it is kind of It's funny. a current it's a current issue, you yeah. know. Yeah, but this movie is just uh it's a lot. I also don't know how I don't know about the 100%. Here's my here's my thought process, right? The reviews, there's 16 reviews and they're all from the 1930s. So I think under the Rotten Tomatoes, like fresh, right. like those all are fresh, okay. like it got positive reviews. And I think that's how they determine their like fresh rating is like based on how people above a certain threshold. Okay, so like even you don't average, you don't average the sc- or, or it's not like an average of yeah. the scores. It's like if it's above a certain threshold, it's considered fresh. So yeah. then it automatically would be it's 100. It's just like, I've case. seen some of the movies that are 100% around tomatoes, and for the most part, I, like, agree. Yeah. It's has some reason to agree. I just don't know that that is at that level. Yeah. My thought is, because it's 1937, yeah. I think that leads to it. And actually, I'm gonna, because I have this notebook I have the last years, I'm curious say, what, what, was it's, it's, a it's a Wonderful Life, because that Yeah, I wanted to time. look that up. I'm um, curious what that would be. 93. Okay. But also, that didn't do well, critically. I know, that's when true. When it came out. Yeah, it wasn't well-liked. Yeah, um, okay. Anyways, but yeah. I, but, you uh, know, still still pretty high. For a film right. that was not critically liked, it got an 83. So, I think it's some merit to the fact of not that many reviews and the fact that it came out almost 100 years right. ago. Has yeah. something to do with it. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways. Do you have any other, do you have any other thoughts no, on this No, I just was creepy and I didn't like it. Unsettling. Yeah. No, I just, let's just move into favorites. Um, favorite character, I didn't really have one, but I guess if I had to pick one, I would pick Tim, Timmy, Little Bo Peep's man. Oh, the Pied Piper. Pied Piper. Yes. Because he was kind of cool and, although he didn't really do much. No, I don't want him. He was a wimp. Let's pick Bo Peep. Why not? Okay, sure. Okay, because she was like kind of the main character, and yeah. I felt bad for her having to potentially marry a yeah. skeezy man. Yeah, everyone's a nightmare. Really, truly is. I picked Mickey Mouse. Oh my god, <laughs> I love. He did the, most, the little monkey I mean. I mean, he playing really Mickey Mouse. That, yeah. You know, for for a monkey, a few words. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I learned a lot about his character in this film. For sure, it had a, a real plot relevance. Yeah, yeah. A favorite line. <clears throat> there was a line where Little Bo Peep was like Talking to Mr. Barnaby She was like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't marry you if you were young Which you can't be And I was like, ooh, got him Yeah There was a similar line that the, the her mom said Where it was like, you can't, don't enter my house Or something like that But it was only, my I didn't write down the line Because I didn't care to But um, it was usually lines in Back to Mr. Barnaby yes. Were the ones that I liked Yeah Yeah I guess I did. Favorite scene, favorite music is one. It's the final sequence. Yeah. Um, I just like the action elements, and I like the music that tied into it. There wasn't really like Christmas music to pick from. Yeah. Which I really. guess all these movies we and didn't we say also, it had to be Christmas yeah. music. It just it doesn't have to, but a lot of times it it is or sounds right. like Christmas music. Um, yeah. I just thought it was cool, and honestly, I didn't like a lot of like the middle beginning oh, songs were no. very like boring and like they're kind of like old school songs yeah um it, it, it's also based on an opera like, right style. so it just wasn't really my yeah. style but i thought the the best music that incorporated into the movie was the final scene with like the chase yeah, I agree. My favorite scene in music selection was like the March of the Wooden Soldiers. Because right. I thought it was technologically pretty good for the time it came out. And then also, um, I liked the music that went with that. Yeah. So I would have to say that would be my favorite as well. Yeah. Okay. boys being rambunctious. Yeah, Carl is like, do you want to come? Carl. Why you got to be like that? Why you got to be so rude? Okay. Shall we move on? Let's do it. Let's move on to my selection. The Polar Express. Movie is rated G. Came out in 2004. It has a runtime of an hour and 40 minutes. It had a 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb, a 56% in Rotten Tomatoes, and a 3.2 out of 5 on Letterboxd. It did gross $314 million in the box office, so good on you, Polar Express. This movie was directed by Robert Zemeckis. And it's based on the 1995 children's book of the same name by Chris Van Alsberg. Shout out to Grand Rapids. Yeah, East Grand Rapids. I have more about that coming up. Nice. Ties into the movie. Or the book. Um, So this film features human characters animated using live action and motion caption computer animation. This film received mixed reviews from critics and fans. Well, I guess not fans. And in, I'm not a fan. <laughs> I know. And Sorry. initially grossed $286 million against a record breaking $165 million budget, which was the biggest for an animated feature at that time. Shit. That's an expensive yeah. movie. For well, that. Yeah. It makes sense when I get into like, the details because. I mean, because they like motion capture. It was like a right? new yeah. kind of which is, technology. Yeah, which is pretty new technology at the time. Um, yeah. yeah, so. Uh, It was listed in the 2006 Guinness World Records as the first all-digital capture film. So it was the first time a film had done that all digitally. Tom Hanks voices six different characters in this film. Um, And each one of the main characters had around three actors or actresses play them for either, like, voice, motion capture, and singing parts. They had, like, different people. Um, So this actually was started kind of development in 1999 um tom hanks had optioned the book and he wanted to play the conductor in santa claus um did but- his um sorry to uh, did his production company produce this movie because i know he has a production company him and his wife do i'm, I'm just curious yeah, if that's yeah i'm not why 100% sure because him rules. and him and the um director like produced it and like created it together basically okay so i don't know if it was through his company i didn't it didn't say anything about that i also don't know when he made that company so it might have been pre yeah then okay i was just curious um so yeah he wanted to play the conductor in santa claus but one of the conditions of the sale was that the resulting film not be animated uh oh. they were fighting very hard against that but interesting zemeckis who was the director felt that a live action version was unfeasible and claimed it would look awful and be impossible to make and that it would cost the budget would be close to like a billion dollars to make mm-hmm. because it was live action. yeah i think it really would have cost a billion dollars to make a live action polar express He also felt that it would uh, rob the audience of the art style of the book if they changed it into a live action movie. So Hanks and Zemeckis acquired the rights to the book. Um, They created a new process in which actors would be filmed with motion capture equipment in a black box stage and then be animated, hence why the budget ended up being as large as it was for an animated movie. Hanks have stated since that this method of working was actually returned to the type of acting that acting in films doesn't allow you to do. And Hanks was initially considered to play every single role, uh, but grew exhausted and because of that, they had to get additional voices. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Okay, wait, wait every role yes including the the girls i don't know that the initial version had all those characters i think they okay. were gonna have less characters and he was gonna be all the voices so it was gonna just be men well <laughs> voice by Tom no Kinks. i i don't know because i mean if he's not if he's voicing every character then i think he was gonna Tom do Kinks? the female voices too yeah. <sighs> yeah that would be exhausting imagine an hour and what is it 20 minutes you said It was an hour and 40 minutes. An hour, yeah. You have to do all of the acting, every single line, in an hour and 40 minute film. Yes. Sounds horrific. Well, that's why they didn't do it. Yeah, no wonder. So, yeah, they actually, and I forgot to mention that Hanks and Zemeckis uh, appeared before um, Zemeckis was the director for uh, *Force Gump. Okay, So they have been in a film together before. Um, Gotcha. So, the song Believe written by Glenn Ballard and Alan Silvestri, was nominated for the Best Original Song at the 77th Academy Awards, and it ended up winning a Grammy in 2006. Did it win the Academy Award? No, it got nominated, but then it won a Grammy. What Do you know what won the year it got nominated? No. I'll look it up while you keep talking. The soundtrack for this movie was certified gold in 2007. It sold 724,000 copies in the U.S. and is the best-selling film-soundtrack-holiday-album hybrid since the music tracking sales began in 1991. That's what you said. um, We were talking about one of the films from last time, and you had mentioned that at Polar Express. Yeah, we were talking about... Oh, you're right. We're talking about Christmas for the Cranks, I think, because we said the guy. Yeah, Right. Yes. Which, honestly, good for them. Yeah. So, in 2004, the year it was nominated, it lost to a song called Al Otro Lado del Rio um, from The Motorcycle Diaries. Hmm. No idea what song it is. Yeah, I don't know what The Um, Motorcycle Diaries is. Jorge Drexler? I don't know who that is either, so. Interesting. Anyway, that's uh, that's what it lost to. Okay. Anyway, so the locomotive that's featured in this film is modeled after the uh, Pier Marquette twelve twenty five, which actually that train spent many years on static display near Spartan Stadium on the campus oh. of Michigan State University. Um, really? The author we mentioned is from East Grand Rapids. He recalled playing on the engine while attending football games as a child. Huh. They moved it. It's not, like, there anymore, obviously. Yeah, well, clearly. Um, I was like, I feel like I would remember a train being near Spartan But State, I right? read an article about how students in the engineering program at Michigan State did a project to try and get it, like, running again. Like, okay. they actually worked on the train. So it spent oh, many years there. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. Also, there was a video game that released in 2004 for this movie um, in which the Ebenezer Scrooge puppet attempts to prevent the children from believing in Santa Claus by stealing their tickets, and then they're not allowed to go to the North Pole and meet Santa. Yeah. It sounds riveting. Yeah, Shocked we didn't have that one. Yeah. What do you think? It was on DS? They no, had DS it on. It, on, on it was GameCube. And GameCube? And, GameCube? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we missed out, I guess. Um, so, this film has spawned multiple real world holiday train travel experiences in US, Canada, and in the UK. This movie was nominated for multiple categories at the 77th Academy Awards. In addition to the song nomination, they also had nominations for uh, effects and for, I think, one, like another soundtrack or sound mixing. Mm-hmm. And in 2008, the American Film Institute nominated the Polar Express for its top 10 animated films list of all time. I have a summary. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's a train. In this movie starring Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks and Tom Hanks, two unnamed children and their companions take a trip to the North Pole. The journey is filled with many twists and turns, which all lead to a spectacular performance by none other than Steven Tyler. This film is full of magic, music, and lessons, as our main hero boy learns the greatest lesson of all. You have everything you need if you just believe. Believe! Believe! I believe, I believe this is yours, Hannah. And by that, I mean, you brought this movie to us and made me watch it. You know why I picked it? Because I knew there was no other way we were ever going to do this movie on this podcast. (sighs) No. For context, I have never liked this movie. Um, I've seen it. I've watched it. I didn't like it as a child. I still sure as shit don't like it now. Hannah hates that no no one in her family will watch it she just had to watch it by herself if she wanted to watch it because nobody was No, I do watch it every year by yeah. myself because no one yeah, watches it. Yeah. Cuz nobody likes it. Um why don't you go first to somebody who likes the movie? Okay. Uh who appreciates it and then I can go because I have I just like I'll do a laundry list of the things I don't like okay. about it and then it, it'll feel less uh, you know, less bad to start, you know? I think that this movie is proving the point that It's not about what you see and how things work because you watch this movie and it seems very like that would never happen, which that's kind of the whole point of this movie. It's supposed to be this like fantasy, like Harry Potter, like different world kind of experience. But I think that in watching that and in having that mindset, it's about choosing to believe in the magic of that world. And in doing that, you believe. In the spirit of Christmas. I also think... You know what I really like about this movie? A lot of the plot points are not left as holes. Because he rips his pocket in the very beginning of the movie. And that comes back to haunt him. Which it seldom does. I also think... I like that the two main characters... Their names are literally Hero Boy and Hero Girl. They do not have names. They're not credited Mm -hmm. as having names. Because I think it's nice for like children to see themselves in these kids when they don't have a name to put it to. And they're like, oh, like I could be the hero boy because he doesn't have a name. I like that Billy, who is the little boy who's poor and who says Christmas doesn't work for him. I really like having him portrayed in a movie because you don't very often see kids on Christmas who don't get a lot. You see kids Mm -hmm. who get a lot of stuff. And then I feel like, In real life, kids who watch that, they always see these kids getting a ton of gifts. And that's not really how it goes for a lot of people. So it's nice to see a character who is like, oh, well, sometimes Christmas just doesn't work out. I think it's cool to see that. Um, I think, honestly, I, I understand the... A lot of people don't like the animation. And they think it's too realistic. The eyes are creepy. Like, I've heard multiple people say this. And I would like to say that, one, this was like a newer process. Um, it was the Guinness Book World Records. It was like the first film to fully be captured that way. So I think a lot of it has to do with it being a newer movie. Also, the animation is better than like Ice Age, that creepy Studio Ghibli one, the the witch, the earwig, the whatever it oh, was. Oh, ear- earwig and the yeah. witch. Yeah. And also this movie was in 2004. So I think like for the time period it was in, I don't have an issue with the animation. I actually kind of like the animation. And I like that there's a lot of like, there's a lot of interpretation in this movie because there's the character on the top of the train who's kind of like ambiguous as to who he is. There's a lot of theories that he's actually like the spirit of Christmas, the spirit of Santa Claus. And he's, his goal is to make sure the kids get there safely. Cause there's multiple times where he kind of helps guides the kids through like a dangerous situation. I like that the um, Tom Hanks, the conductor is like father time, like making sure that they're getting to where they need to be on time. And I don't know. I just think that the story itself is you're basically following these kids on a journey. And I think that's kind of cool. I think that there's a lot of scenes that aren't just thrown in there. Like a lot of the scenes have a purpose and go on to explain the greater story. And I think also there's like multiple lessons throughout. And yeah, you get hit in the face a little bit when he punches believe onto a ticket or learn. But I also Mm -hmm. think sometimes for kids, you need to be kind of obvious. And I don't know, I just think, I know this movie gets a lot of hate, I know there's a lot of, like, mixed feelings about it, but I've always just appreciated the fact that, like, this movie, like, feels like Christmas to me. Because it's all about these kids, like, they're in different situations. The main kid doesn't, he's kind of on the cusp of not believing in Santa anymore, and I feel like we've all been there. There's a lot of kids who have been in that situation, there's a lot of kids who haven't had, like, a Christmas like other kids in their school, or, like, that they know have, and... And there's a lot of like, you know, people who doubt themselves and and stuff like that. And so I think it's like you can see yourself in these kids, even as an adult. And I think that's kind of cool and kind of the underappreciated factor of this movie. Yeah, I will say my positives, I have no problem with the story. I think it's a good story. I think they execute it well. Um, I do like that they're unnamed characters because I think it, it does. It allows people to put themselves in into those characters' um, roles, like into that spot. I also really like the soundtrack minus the children singing. Like Believe, I love. It was on my Christmas list of best Christmas songs. I like the like motif of using Believe like throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I hate children singing, and there's a lot of it. Also, Tom Hanks kind of ruins the hot, hot number, in my opinion. No. <sighs> okay, but he's off-key. He's off key. He's off-tempo. I don't care. Like, if you – no, have you wa- – okay, if you watched that scene, which I thoroughly watched it because I wanted to see how much tap dancing they put into it, which not enough, in my opinion. If you're going to have tap dancers, you got to really focus on those footwork and those feet, and I needed more tap dancing. But while, while it's catchy, hot, hot, ugh, you know – it's a catchy song. There are points where Tom Hanks is not in, he's not with the music. Like he's way, he's off where he should be. He's too slow. He's too fast. He's not with it. And it was bothering me. Um, that song specifically. Uh, I had to kind of like tune out when the, what is it? Christmas time is here. Just because not the song itself is bad. Again, it's the children singing. It's my own you yeah. know, issues with that. Um, same with the Polar Express song too much they did multiple uh like leitmotifs because the kid every time that billy was on screen he gets his song playing in the background which is kind of and so like i liked the the soundtrack in general oh also because my most memorable part of this film and i was waiting for it to come up is there's a part where there's a child from new jersey who puts gum in his sister's hair and you just like see a screen of him going i didn't do it and for some reason, that's what I remember about this movie is that. Oh, also, I I also thought the main theme kind of sounds like believe, like, sounds like a mix between the main Home Alone mm-hmm. theme and Elf, like, yeah, together. Yeah, kind of like they shove those together. Because uh, I was like, it sounds, but it also, like, I feel like a lot of Christmas themes have that kind of same sound to them. Right. So maybe that's why I think it, it sounds like those. The animation is really off putting for me, it's hard to watch. I've, I, I, and I, it was off-putting when I was a child. Like, I remember being, like, I still haven't seen the Jim Carrey, same director, Jim Carrey Christmas Carol, mm-hmm. because I, I just, I cannot do it. It's just, like, too uncanny valley. Like, it's too, just, like, off-putting. I don't, like, enjoy it. I just don't like looking at it, in my own opinion. Plus, I feel like sometimes Tom Hanks is distracting because I only hear Tom Hanks, because he's playing six different roles. I feel like the only one that I would say is is not distracting is Santa. It's Tom Hanks' Santa, because he kind of sounds like Donald Sutherland. Yeah. Almost, um, like President Snow from Hunger Games. So, but the other ones, it's like, I don't know, like it was getting a little distracting to have so many different characters be Tom Hanks, um, and me just being like, it's Tom Hanks. Um, kind of what we've talked about with some animated movies where you feel like you get taken out because, um, you hear the celebrity voice a lot. I don't know if I had any other notes. Um, yeah, mainly, mainly I liked, I did like the score. I liked the, the song story I think is a solid story. I just wish they wouldn't have. And I understand it was like for its time, like a really big deal, clearly an extremely expensive movie Mm -hmm. for an animated film, um, trying something new, experimental, but I just don't like it as a collective piece, um, is how I feel about it. Okay. I mean, that's fair. I know not everyone likes it. I just, mm-hmm. I've always liked it. I don't this... think it's like, I don't think it's a horrible movie. No, like, I'm not, I've am yeah. always liked this movie. And I think a lot of people like can't look past the animation aspect of it. Yeah. Because um, a lot of times when I hear complaints about the movie, it's about the animation. And, yeah. and I get that, but also, like, I, in my head, try to remember it's 2004. It was, like, the first of its kind. Like, there's gonna be some aspects of it that probably aren't the best. But I think that, like, the story in my mind is strong enough to, like, carry it through, is, is how I feel about it. I also don't really mind the animation, and maybe that's, like, a personal yeah. preference thing. I don't know. I think it's, like, a pretty solid movie from, from start to finish, and i i've already kind of said what i wanted to say about it but yeah Mm -hmm. yeah which is which is fine yeah you can have polar express i will not not take take it away from from you 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 can have it um willingly give it to you so uh favorite character i kind of cheated and just said tom hanks because he's out here doing the most and playing like six characters and i respect him for that like hustling and yeah so i just give him he gets the award for MVP. Yeah. I um I picked the hero girl because yeah. I felt like her character was, I think, my favorite of the children. Yes. Um, because I feel like her whole thing is like leadership and like confidence. I liked having that from the only female character of any note in this movie. It's like yes. she gets like, you know, your like lead on your leadership learning confidence I'm like cool I like to see that I also like that she's not a white like female character like it's Mm -hmm. cool to see especially for a kids movie in 2004 like I feel like there wasn't a lot of variety and there wasn't a lot of diversity and I think it's cool to see like a, a strong female character who's not just like there for the plot you know what I mean like it's yeah, nice to have yeah. a character like that um so. I do have a question though this is something that I thought of when you said Tom Hanks was gonna play every role was yeah I don't know about a that. small black child like know. was that gonna be or was that character not existing I'm not sure because like, in my head I was like Ooh, yeah. They didn't really. They didn't really like, delve into little... the details of that. Yeah. So I'm not sure if he was just going to mm-hmm. play like all the male characters and like, right. You know, have yeah. like female. I mean, he basically did play all the all the male characters. I mean, except for yeah, the small children. Minus the small little children. He played the child as an adult yeah, voiceover. Yeah. Like the narrator. Yeah. yeah. My favorite quote: One thing's about one thing about trains. It doesn't matter where they're going. What matters is deciding to get on. I think that's like a good quote about life in general. Yeah. Like, yeah. sometimes you just got to take the take the step or go on that journey and kind of just, yeah. you know, live life, breathe yeah. air. Mm-hmm. I went with the basic uh, quote: "Seeing is believing." Yeah. Um, because I feel like if I remember anything from that movie, it's that quote. You know. Yes. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. Favorite uh, scene. I've always really liked the um, scene where the ice is cracking and they're on mm-hmm. the train and right left tokyo drift yes um i just think the the scene is cool i actually think that's one scene where like the animation looks like pretty cool like i will agree yeah yes. seeing like the cracking ice and then the train like kind of getting like going under a little bit and coming out like i just thought the animation looked pretty crisp at that point and mm-hmm. um i just like all the back and forth between the characters that was also my favorite scene because I also, I had written a note about this and I skipped over it, but I thought the train derailment yeah. scene is the most entertaining scene in the movie. Like yeah. I think that part is well done and it, it is a better train derailment than Anastasia. Yes. I'll give it that. It gets, Anastasia also has a pretty big like pivotal train scene. I will give it to Polar Express. Plus I've seen those cuts of people doing Tokyo Drift music with the train and I'm like, honestly, I would support that. I support a Polar Express meme with a Fast and the Furious tie over respectable. Like, they can, they can respect. I respect it. Yeah, um, and then favorite song it's got to be Believe. I mm-hmm. I think that's also just like a very good Christmas song yeah. in general. Oh, um, it's Josh Groban is the voice. Oh, yeah. of an angel. Like I I love that song and not like an, an ironic, in yeah. ironic in in an ironic way. Like I just really like mm-hmm. the song. So. I um, so I watched the Polar Express while I was working um, because one I ran out of time Same. but also because I was like I'm gonna be able to do this if I'm doing other things and not just have to sit and watch it plus I've seen it before so I don't need to like be thoroughly right you know paying attention to every detail but when I finished the movie and I watched the credits to hear the song I then listened to it on Spotify yeah. after when I was walking home because I was like okay I need to I gotta get it twice to make up for the last time when we watched the end of Polar Express earlier and this year, and they cut the, the credits. Yeah. And I was pissed. And I was like, that's all I wanted was that glorious end credits song. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Believe in what your heart what saying. is saying. Hear the, the melody that's playing. playing. There's, There's no time to waste. to waste. There's too much to it's celebrate. To celebrate. Spread your wings and fly. Yeah. If you just believe. Yeah. Um, Do you have anything else? No, I just love the movie. It's fair. All right. Now to my final film and the one that I chose, Home Alone. All right. So Home Alone was released in 1990, has a runtime of 103 minutes, and is rated PG. This is an American Christmas comedy film that was directed by Chris Columbus and written by John Hughes. As we talked about previously, Chris Columbus directed Christmas with the Cranks and how far that fell from this Christmas movie. Everyone's got to have one bad one. Everyone's got one shitter, you know? So this film, I won't go too much into the sequels, but there are currently five sequels to this film. Six total. Uh, one that has the original, like, cast. There were two movies, back-to-back, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, which also is a pretty quality sequel, also I think. Also Donald Trump. It also has Donald Trump, which we don't love that. But, you know, it does have Tim Curry. And we do like Tim Curry. One is actually one more recently. Like, I think Buzz, who plays his older brother, is actually in the one that came out, I think, like, two or three years ago. Yeah, it was recent. They've been churning them out. The initial reception to this movie was actually mixed, which I thought was really interesting, but became more positive over time. However, even though it was critically mixed, this movie... Grossed four hundred and seventy-six point seven million dollars worldwide, which was the highest-grossing live-action comedy of all time until The Hangover Part Two oh, wow. in two thousand eleven. Yeah, so it made so much money that it was the highest-selling comedy for almost twenty-one years, hmm. which is insane. Crazy. Honestly, that that was shocking. When did Bridesmaids me. come out? That was uh, two thousand thirteen. Okay, I was going say because I twelve. Okay. It was around that time of The Hangover Part 2, because I was in high school. No, Bridesmaids um, is 2011. Oh, so I guess it made... Well, also, uh, Hangover 2 was also 2011, okay. so it was same year. Okay. So, I wonder if The Hangover Part 2 came out before came Bridesmaids. Out first. Yeah. And then, yeah, so maybe it was that. Um, so, also, it was the second highest grossing film of 1990 behind the classic Ghost. Of course. Yeah. A classic film. This is also really interesting. It also was the third highest grossing film of all time worldwide behind Star Wars and E.T. So it was Star Wars, E.T. and then Home Alone. Interesting. So it did well. And it also was the highest grossing Christmas movie of all time until what movie do you think toppled it? What Christmas movie, specifically Christmas film. I don't think you, it's not going to be what you think it is. And think about inflation as well, because I think that is a big determining factor in why this movie is, or at least at the time it came out, was the highest grossing Christmas film. Claws? No, but great guess. That's, that's a good guess. It's not Claws, but it's, it's around that time frame. Like Arthur Christmas or? You saw this movie in theaters. Is it live action? No. It's animated. Oh, you The Grinch? Yes. Ugh. 2018's Grinch with Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. I think um, I bought that from my memory, so. Yeah. My theory is that because of inflation and, like, just how expensive it is to see the movies now, which, by the way, Hannah and I are going to see a movie for the podcast tomorrow, and the tickets were $24. Yeah. For two people, which it's, like... Excellent, mm-hmm. love that, yeah. But we'll do it. We do it for we do it for you. <laughs> this movie was nominated for um, Golden Globes for Best Picture and for Best Actor for Macaulay Culkin. Um, just nominated, didn't win. It was also um, nominated for the Academy Award for Best Score and for Best Original Song, which also neither won the year. But the score was actually written by John Williams, um, mm-hmm. who famously did. Star Wars has done a lot of um, of scoring for films for Steven Spielberg, and he also did the first two Harry Potter films. So he's, like, a legend mm-hmm. and just, like, in, like, scores, like, a scores for movies. Like, he's one of, like, the greatest. He's a goat. In 2023, the film was chosen for preservation in the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress. Um, so they're like, we need to preserve this for all time. It has merit, it has value. And so there was so much background on production and casting and things, so I tried to condense it as much as possible. But, like, the Wikipedia, our most trusted website, um, when I was looking, it just kept going. And I was like, my God. So I'm going to do my best to just kind of, like, condense the things that I thought were important to notice. So John Hughes, who has written many classic 80s films that we know and love, including Ferris Bueller's Day Off, wrote this script for the film when he was going on vacation and in making a list of trying to think about things that he, so he wouldn't forget things, he had the thought of what if I accidentally forgot my son. So he also, at the time, had a younger, like, 10, 11-year-old son. So then he started to write that into a um, screenplay. Um, And so initially, he pitched the film to the WB, Um, and they were like, yeah, we'll accept this film if you can keep the budget under 10 million, which when you think, compare that to the cost of the Polar Express. Which was like 165 million. Yeah. Yeah. So they wanted to make it for 10 million. Um, and so he was like, cool, we can do that. But also secretly on the side, he was meeting with 20th Century Fox and he was like, hey, what if I just secretly deliver you this uh, s- screenplay and then keep that as a backup because then it's like I didn't give them the script it like mm-hmm. it appeared at their studio um, so the budget ended up getting up to um, 18 million and so the WB was like, nah sorry we only'll we'll only do it if it's 10 million. So he's like cool no problem and then 20th century Fox was like, yeah we'll take it no problem 20 you know 18 million what's what's another eight million right? This movie did so well in the box office, it made almost its initial budget in the first weekend. So it made $17 million in the first weekend. So it almost, like, right. the whole cost of the movie was almost covered by two days of, you know, a film. So it also was most, pretty much all the scenes were filmed in Chicago, mm-hmm. which John Hughes famously, generally will film most of his shoots in Chicago. They did film in the O'Hare Airport, um, which apparently the scene of the family running was one of the hardest scenes to film. They had to film it for like seven days straight and one of the actresses, I think one of the ch- child actresses of the family had said that there were thousands of extras and they all had very specific patterns that they had to go because they were they were running full speed. Mm-hmm. Like that was, they were told to run as fast as you can, like full speed ahead. So they had like extras, like specific routes so they wouldn't be in their way because they yeah. just had to be sprinting, um, which I thought was really co- interesting. Howard Hughes had asked um, Chris Columbus to direct this film because um, he had just left the, uh, the set of Christmas Vacation, another movie we'd covered, after he had left due to creative personality differences between him and Chevy Chase, um, which I thought was like a tie-in to a film we've covered. They had a personality crash, a clash, not a crash. And so Columbus ended up doing some uh, uncredited rewrites for the screenplay. And one of his uh, additions that is, like, pretty prominent is he created the character of Old Man Marley. Murphy. Marley? I don't know. I thought I saw T. Old Man Marley to the script. So Murphy. He originally was not... Is it... Why do I have... all? because of Marley, old like, Marley yeah, I think like Murphy. from uh, Christmas Carol. It's Murphy. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I think in my head I was like, Old Man Marley. Yeah. Like, yeah. Marley and Marley. Um... From Christmas Carol. Yeah, so Old Man Murphy was an addition from Columbus himself uh, to the screenplay. Macaulay Culkin, who plays Kevin, was suggested for the film because he had previously worked with um, John Hughes on Uncle Buck. Um, and so he did end up casting other, like, I think he casted over, like, 200 kids and ended up choosing him. Apparently John Mullaney was scouted to play Kevin McAllister, but his parents didn't want him to, so he didn't audition for the film. Because he was a child, like, in a child comedy troupe at the time or something. And I was like, that's interesting. For the role of Harry, um, who was played by um, Joe Pesci, uh, the role was initially pitched to Robert De Niro and um, John Lovitz, who both turned down the role, and then eventually was given to Joe Pesci. Daniel Stern, who played Marv, was um, on the set and then initially had left because he was, um, asked to stay for a few extra weeks, but wouldn't be paid anymore, so he's like, nah, I can't do that, sorry, bye. He left. They brought in a man named Daniel Stern, or sorry, Daniel Roebuck, who famously is the dad from Quince. Oh. And Art from Lost, amongst many other roles, but that's just the ones that I know him from from my childhood. Um, But they didn't feel like the chemistry between him and Joe Pesci was right, so they asked Daniel Stern to come back, and I think they were like, okay, we'll pay you more, please come back, we like you better. Um, They also, apparently Joe Pesci was really hard to work with, Um, he had a hard time not swearing on set, which is why he does a lot of cartoonish like swearing sounds. Um, he also apparently needed to play a 12, like a round of golf every morning. So they had to like push the callback time to be like nine instead of seven because he was like, I need to play golf before I act. And they were like, okay, I guess that's fine. Yeah. um john candy who has like a small cameo in this movie had only 23 hours to film which they had to do it he had one day to film so they did it over a span of 23 hours to shoot his scenes um he's paid 414 dollars for his role as it did it as a favor for john hughes because they had worked together a lot right. uncle buck planes trains and automobiles so they'd worked together a lot and he, so because he was doing it as a favor he was the only person on set who was allowed to ad lib his own lines and pretty much they've Uh, John Hughes said that pretty much every line of dialogue was just John Candy just saying whatever he wanted. Like, there was no real script for him in that role. There was a lot of tension caused by the stunt work in the film, because um, the stunt um, men who were, uh, Marv and Harry for Joe Pesci and, um, Daniel Stern, um, they didn't have a lot of safety equipment, so originally in a lot of the scenes they had harnesses on, but they couldn't find a way to hide that in the film, like, it showed up on camera and they couldn't find, I think they didn't have the budget and they didn't have the special effects to, like, edit out a harness, Mm -hmm. so they did all those stunts without harnesses. Like, the falling and, like, stuff Hmm. like that. So there's a lot of tension because they were, like, they would shoot the scene and then be, like, hope they're okay. Um, Which is not okay, I will say. As, like, 1990 was definitely a little bit of a different time. And I know stunt people have, like, regulations and things are still probably not where they should be in relation to, like, safety on sets and things like that. Um, I think... I can go to my review, the scores, so it has a 65% on Rotten Tomatoes, 63 out of 100 on Metacritic, um, Cinema Score of A, 7.7 7 out of 10 on IMDb, and a 3.8 out of 5 on Letterboxd. And now it's time for my summary. The McAllisters are a big family, and everyone hates Kevin, so much so that they leave him at home and fly to France for Christmas. As Moira Rose desperately tries to get home, Kevin must lean into his most psychopathic tendencies to prevent the wet bandits from breaking into his home. I still cannot watch Marv step on a nail, and the wet bandits should definitely have died from the sadistic uh, booby traps. Yeah. I still can't watch that scene. No, I I had to close my eyes. I can't. There's also a YouTube video of an actual doctor reacting to their injuries and was like, yeah, they would have died. Um, like a lot of the like stunt like a lot of the like booby traps and stuff are fine that what I yeah. like I even as a kid I would cover my eyes yeah. and look away and I still like I'm like oh it's like I feel it internally like ah Yeah it hurts yeah I mean this is just like such a classic yeah. Christmas film the soundtrack is so good, yeah. but I mean, it's John Williams, so it makes sense. Right. Like, I, when I think of, like, a Christmas, like, movie soundtrack, I honestly think of Home Alone, I think. I think the music also makes a lot of the scenes. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like a lot of my memory of certain scenes is very much tied to the music playing at the time, yeah. or, like, the score at the time. Um, plus, like, Macaulay Culkin is so good. Yeah. Like, as a child actor, like, he just is so good in the role. He recently got a star yeah. on the Hollywood Hall of Fame. Um, and uh, which I, Catherine O'Hara was there. She did. She talked. She gave a speech. I did. I watched that so um, a couple weeks ago, which I thought was nice. Yeah. Um, and like, he's so good. And he carries this film. Like it would have... It could have gone so wrong. Yeah. Because a film, like an adult film, because this isn't, I wouldn't necessarily call this a children's film. No, it's, it's like, like, a fa- like a family, kind of like a family it film. It is, but maybe. it's a bit more yeah. like adult than like kiddish. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. Um, And it, it would be so easy to have this go so wrong, to have a child actor just like not, because he's alone for most of his yeah. scenes. Like he's just like, it's him and the environment yep. and like, and the script that's written for him. And I feel like it's, like, he certainly got a lot of credit as a child actor at the time, but I feel like even now I'm, like, it's yeah. so impressive. Like, it's hard for me to think of another, like, child actor who can carry a movie like that. Yeah. Um, in, like, even in recent memory, like, to be that in control of a set and scenes and, like, be able to, do, like, do that. And to carry a sequel on top of that. Mm-hmm. Like, there were two films that he did for this and both did very well. Right. Like, um, in the box office and budget and things like that. Plus, I love Catherine O'Hara. Yeah. Maybe a slightly shit parent, in the sense yeah. that they lose their they leave their child. Yeah, also accidentally like, miscount. They're all yeah. just very mean to him at the beginning. Yeah,
1: they like, all fucking everyone.
0: Hate him. And yeah. it's like he's. he's I get he's annoying, but he's also a kid, and like yeah. that's how kids are sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this movie. We grew up watching this movie. Um, I don't even know if I know how many times I've. No, seen No, I've it. seen it. I'm sure every year. Um, yeah. I actually, it's funny, I watched this the day after Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. It was on, me and my dad, and, like, watched it. Yeah. And I was like, well, I already have to watch this for the podcast, so I watched that, and then I watched it again, because yeah. I was like, I didn't take notes, so yeah. I would watch it a second I time. I mean, I think in terms of rewatchability, it's very oh. rewatchable. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, it's so interesting that the whole movie is essentially him and, like, the two bandits, like. Mm -hmm. They're the main characters. I mean, I know the mom is kind of back and forth. Right. But it's so interesting, to that so much of what was done is just him being a kid and interacting with his environment and... Mm -hmm. The wet bandits. Yeah. And it's just, um, I love John Hughes's, like, films. Oh, so great. His films have this, like, real sense of, like, nostalgia for me. And like, I feel like he has a way of like writing characters and making them feel like real and like really personable, even like if they're not good people, you know, like I mean, his family is dysfunctional, like there's a lot going on and nobody's perfect. But like, I feel like he makes like families feel real. Like Sam with Ferris Bueller. I feel like he makes their family feel so real. Right. Like the dynamics and everything, even though you, you just get to see them on a specific moment in time. Yeah. Yeah. And he just has a way of, of doing films and, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. There's just something about this movie that feels so like comforting. Like it, when, it does when it comes yeah. on. I'm like, oh. oh, like it's Home Alone, and like it's weird because yeah. the movie itself is kind of like psychotic in a way. Because oh, hundred percent, yeah. It's like these yeah. bandits basically terrorizing this kid, and this kid terrorizing and them, and then he just beats the shit out right. of them. But there's so yeah, and much, tortures them. There's so much of like this comfort of it, and um... I don't know. It's 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 an interesting film. It's it's good. I don't think it's just good as a Christmas film. I think it's good as yeah. a film on just its as own. Just a film too. I agree. Um, yeah. Because some Christmas movies, I'm like, oh well, it's good as a Christmas movie. You kind of categorize right. it, but I think this one kind of goes past yeah. that, and it's just like a good agree. film in general. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I mean. I don't know there's there's a lot of good humor in it it's funny mm-hmm. um it is funny a yeah. lot of physical comedy it relies very heavily in physical comedy but yeah. it works like it's not it does sometimes you get too much physical comedy and it's over the top this movie like just just yeah. like teeters on that line of just almost too much line. but they always keep yeah. it right at the right amount which and is, the is, nail kind of is too much for me well it's just like gross it's and the glass is hard too. Yeah. The stepping on the like the broken ornaments, yeah. that one's a little rough for me as well. But yeah, I think so, your feet. I'm like ah. I just think no. that it. Um, in terms of like a story, it's really well done. I think it's like a yeah. pretty genius story idea, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's one of those movies where like one thing happens and it sets off this like chain of events, chain, like yeah, um, chain reaction. Me and Alyssa watch this guy Dylan is in trouble. He was reacting <laughs> to um the yeah. uh, freaky friday and he's like it's interesting how one switch can lead to so many jokes and so many like things so i think that kind of is how this movie is too yeah she's beaten up oh. yeah <laughs> open fist but yeah it's i like, just think that um it's just a really well done movie in a lot of aspects and it, it doesn't yeah. feel like a kid's movie which is kind of nice when you watch it as an adult It doesn't feel yeah. like oh this movie's made for kids it just feels like oh this is a movie that anyone could enjoy I feel like this movie also feels pretty timeless yeah. as well. Like, I know it's like you can tell, like, the time period based on, like, the clothing and the attire and, like, the, the set, you know, like what people looked like, you know, in the, like, what pl- places looked like in the early 90s, right. you know, 1990. But I feel like, just as a whole, like, a movie, the movie itself feels timeless. Like, yeah. it doesn't feel dated. It doesn't feel like it can only exist in the time frame that it was written in. Because I feel like some, some, especially Christmas movies, I feel yeah. like some Christmas movies can feel really dated or, like, really specific to, like, when they came out. Right. Because, um, like, we kind of talked about that with Elf, where, like, some of the humor doesn't really hold up. Right. The same way, because I feel like early 2000s humor kinda was, like, has kind of its own yeah. thing and doesn't necessarily work all right now. Or, like, currently. So... I feel like it it feels really timeless. There's not a lot of like problematic material in it. I mean, like it's kind of interesting because like you would think like oh the kid's like lost and no one seems to be that concerned. I kind of feel like Mm -hmm. that was the attitude in that time period. Like it was like Mm -hmm. it wasn't like it's now where if you left a kid at home it'd be like this huge freak out. It's like oh he's at home he's probably fine. Like he's home and the police police are like we'll go check on him and like all this stuff. So. There's not a lot of, like, just problematic material in it, which I think helps because it doesn't yeah. make you go, ooh, like, you know. Because sometimes I watch movies and I'm like, ooh, like, that's a little uncomfortable. Yeah. But, yeah, so I feel like it's relatively good in that aspect, too. Yeah. I also really like how they portray, like, I I, I will say for Chris Columbus, I do really appreciate, like, the old man Murphy, the character of Murphy. Yeah. Like, and I'll kind of get to it. I, I double dipped. I picked a couple, picked several scenes as my favorite scene. But I yeah. really like there's a scene where he goes to the church and he sits with him mm-hmm. and they just talk. And he basically is like, you know, I have issues with like me and my son don't talk anymore, but like I come to see my granddaughter and like they have like a genuine conversation. Right. And it was like, you know, he was like, why don't you tell him that you miss him? Like, you know, like I feel like kids can give wisdom in a way that maybe as an adult you are not like willing to hear or like act on you know but like sometimes hearing it from like a different perspective maybe can make you like see things differently right try to yeah make that relationship work so i i really did like his character he is very scary though yeah early on like they make him out to be a very scary person he plays the part well yeah i think so yeah I don't know if I really have anything else to say no, like, I don't, I don't think even so. I don't even know if I have anything negative to say no, to I don't, be honest. I mean honestly there's not yeah. much negative about this film. No. I think the time mm-hmm. the amount of time for the movie is just, like solid, like it doesn't drag on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't have much bad to say. I also I do love the John Candy cameo yes. in the film. He's great. I He's like such him. a comforting yeah. first, like person, you know, in film. Um yeah. plays that role so well. Okay favorite character i had to go with kevin ha- you have to because he's yeah. just he's one thing he's just such a good kid character but he's just such a good yeah. character it's not even that he's yeah. a kid it's the fact that he just mm-hmm. like carries that whole movie he yeah. genuinely like he is the movie yeah like if you think home alone it's kevin McAllister. right like or you think of um i i don't know what catherine O'Hara. Like, but it's like weird because i never even yeah. associate her with that movie like yeah. In my mind, well, it's Well, now, like, like Shits Creek. Well, yeah, yeah, but even then, when I think Home Alone, I always think of Macaulay Colkin, And then I yeah. think of, like, the Bandits, you know? And then mm-hmm. it's like, then yeah. you get there, but yeah. You have to pick him. Yes. Like, he has to be... He's got to be the choice. I agree. So, like, all of my scenes and musics are all tied together. Okay. So again, I think the music is really impactful in the scenes. So one of them is, is the Christmas, um, when they're at the church. They're playing Oh Holy Night. And mm-hmm. it is, I will say, a children's chorus that I don't hate because I think there's so many children singing and it all sounds good that I don't hate it. Right. But I liked the setup of that song in that scene. I also really liked um, the rocket around the Christmas tree when he sets up the like cardboard Mm -hmm. cutouts to be like, pretend like there's people at the house when the wet bandits are kind of like staking out, trying to find a time to break into the home. And then I really like the end of the movie when it's like that main theme and he's looking out the window and it's like doo, yeah doo, doo. like that one just that's like comfort that like that scene makes me feel like right. like christmas like comfort christmas yeah. time so I, agree. I double i dipped i triple dipped um i'm going to be you know for all three but I, those three are like the ones that i think stand out the yeah. most yeah um i actually the song i picked is it's called setting the trap it's when he's setting mm-hmm. up the home with all, like all the booby traps I just that re- one's also really good too i really like but, yeah. it cuz it does like very much give harry potter vibes like yes i was listening to it and i was like there's Mm -hmm. little parts where i'm like i'm pretty sure he's taking them from other movies which i mean Mm -hmm. it's his music so he can do whatever he wants but yeah i really like that and then scene i just really like the final like chase scene like the honestly from like the part part where they get to the house to like Mm -hmm. Where the police come. Like, I love that whole yeah. segment so much. We and it's, like... Hangs them up. Yeah. yeah. And it's, like, one of the yeah. most memorable, like, movie segments where, like, I can remember... Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I can remember pretty much, like, all the things that happen and, like, yeah. in what order they happen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, like... I think it's interesting with this film where, like, we had no overlap. And I gave three answers right. for all of it. Because I like, feel like there's so, so many things to yeah. pick. There's so many things to pick, and I agree. I think those are both also really great options as well. Um, I did have a favorite line. I did as well. Uh, Well, actually, I had two. Okay. The one I like is, look what you did, you little jerk. And then I also like- um, It's delivered so well. It's so good. And then I also Mm -hmm. like, um, keep the change, you filthy animal. You filthy animal, yeah. I love that one. I think the angels with filthy soul scene. I was thinking about picking that one, too. But yeah, keep the change, you filthy animal. That was my line as well. Yeah. yeah. love that line. Mhm. Okay. So Before okay. we add these, I do have some changes. I do as well. Okay. Well, let's just go from 12 yeah. down and just only talk about the ones that we either have changed or are Yeah. New. I think that works. Yeah. Okay. I think that sounds like a good idea to Okay. Me. I can start. Number sure. 12, new worst movie, Babes in Toyland. The main reason being I don't know that it's a worse movie than Christmas with the Cranks, but I enjoy Christmas with the Cranks more, and this is not a Christmas movie, in my mind. Yeah, I also agree. Babes in Toyland, nineteen thirty four, is number twelve because I agree. I don't necessarily think it's a shit movie, like a like worse plot than Christmas with the Cranks, but I don't really even see it as a Christmas film, and therefore it's less. It doesn't really add in. It doesn't really add. Yeah, Yeah. I would agree. Okay, number eleven is Christmas with the Cranks. Mine is also Christmas with the cranes. It didn't so move. I mean yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, number 10, I have a change. Okay. Number 10 used to be The Grinch Animated. And now it is Falling for Christmas, the Lindsay Lohan wow. film. I, Look at you. In going back and listening to the episodes, I do realize I had a bit of a nostalgia factor for Lindsay Lohan, and I can recognize that that mm-hmm. actually wasn't that great of a movie. Yeah. I also have, although it's not different for me, but I have Falling for Christmas as number nine as well. Number 10. Oh, sorry, number 10. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I drew I drew an arrow. I went off my old list from last year. So yeah. 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 So as number 10 is um, Falling for Christmas, same order that it was in be- from right above Christmas with the Cranks. Uh, number nine is the animated Grinch. Um, I moved it up one spot. I do think it's better than Falling for Christmas, but I still don't love... That it doesn't have any character development. So it stays down. That's fine. Number nine, I have the Polar Express. And it's, the story, like, if it was animated differently, or even if it was live action, potentially, it would be higher. But I just, I cannot with the children singing and I cannot with the animation. So it had to be, I gave it, I considered Hannah making it 11. So I was generous and I put it at nine. Yeah. Okay, number eight is The Muppets Christmas Carol, which did not move. Okay, and then I have um, Happiest Season, which didn't move for number eight. Uh, number seven, I have Happiest Season, which did not move. Number seven, I have Love Actually, which did not move. Number six, I have The Polar Express. I think it's a solid movie and I think it deserves like a halfway status. It's not, it's never been like my favorite. I've just always enjoyed watching it um but i think that it's decent enough to be above some of these other movies i think the story's done well enough and i don't mind the animation which probably is what bumps it up for me so yeah so um number six i have uh muppets christmas carol which is a non-change for me same order number five i have elf which is the same order it has not moved All right, so number five, I also have Elf, which is actually a change. This year, I finally did what I needed to do last year, and I swapped Elf with another movie that we'll get to with my next one. I moved, I bumped, I switched two. I bumped Elf down, and I moved one up. I put number four, Love Actually, which used to be my number two movie, so it actually did get bumped down a little bit. Um, I did swap around my top three, so it's now number four. Number four, I have The Grinch animated film. I bumped it up one spot because when I was listening to our last year's episode and I was looking at my list, I thought, which one am I going to watch more often? And it's going to be The Grinch over Elf. Um, again, I think it helps that it's a 30 minute film. Um, and I really genuinely like the animation style of that one a lot. Like, it's gritty. And I do, and I again, I can understand why that one is not a favorite of people's, you know, in a general sense. Story or animation wise, but I feel like that one is like for me growing up, I feel like that one was always going to be playing. Like we were always going to watch the Grinch animated film uh, around Christmas time. So yeah, I bumped it up one more. Number three is Christmas Vacation. I did Christmas Vacation dirty our first Mm -hmm. ranking and it slowly moved up. Uh, It did move up again. It moved up past uh, Love Actually. So it's now number three. All right. Um, so number three it's which is not a change um I have it's a wonderful life I think it's a fantastic film but I can't watch it every year yeah it's too long um, but it is a really good movie uh, would recommend if you've never seen it still still would recommend black and white original version it used to be on Amazon I don't know if it's on yeah, something else sure. right now but uh would recommend like solid like, classic, solid film is what... This is what Babes in Toyland wanted to be. Yes, I agree. But it came out before. But it, that's this is what it should be. Yes. Like, an old, an old classic. Yeah. Yeah, number two is It's a Wonderful Life, which didn't move for me. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Alright, now this was the hardest decision of my life. And I honestly think next year it's probably gonna change. But I have Home Alone at number two. I really thought... Last year, I made a comment that I thought movie might mm-hmm. might dethrone Christmas Vacation. And I thought this was the movie I was talking about. Because I, I love Home Alone. Yes. And I still love Home Alone. And I still love Christmas Vacation. And they're very different movies. So it's hard to, like, compare my Christmas feelings. But right now, I haven't seen Christmas Vacation yet this year. But I'm so excited. I'm watching it next week. Like as a movie night with some friends for like a Christmas thing, and I'm like I'm so excited for it, and I was upset that I don't have my my why is the carpet all wet Todd I don't know Margot sweaters at here it's at my parents' house I can't wear it, um, and it was such a hard decision. But Home Alone at number two, it deserves in the top like top one or two, and honestly next year it might end up being number one. Yeah. I'll give it I'll give it a year, I'll stew I'll let us sit on it I'll think about it. And those, those two, though, could flip-flop. Like, those two are, like, for me, is what, like, Chris's movies are. So yeah. it's a really tough one for me. Yeah, number one, I have Home Alone. Um, I've always loved Home Alone. Um, it's one of those, like, comfort movies for me. And it's just, there's not really, like we said, there's nothing really bad about it, like, to say about it. Um, and I kind of knew going into it, it was either going to be number one or two. But mm-hmm. when I think about it, like... It's a wonderful life I really like, and I know it's a long film, and I do watch it every year, but Home Alone is one of those where, like, I usually end up watching it, like, in segments, like, three times a yeah. year because I catch it on TV, and I never get sick of it. It's very yeah. rewatchable, so that's why it's number one. Yeah, solid. Yeah. I don't think we need it. to, like, go through the list because we just went through it. We just kind of went through the list. I don't yeah. think we need to do it again. I would agree. But, but yeah. yeah, so this is another uh, another Christmas episode another year three leading into year three in our books um yeah so we will have um this might be our last episode of the year potentially i'm just gonna assume it will be it should be yes Um, but we'll also be back we're gonna do our year in review episode we do uh roughly around the anniversary of our podcast which is January january 6th which is unfortunate not planned um and the, the sad thing is, it is, it is the, it's the year of the January 6th. Yes. Like, we had to delay, we had a post ready to go yeah. to tell people we had started a podcast that was going to go up. And then we said, 2021, nope. 2021, January 6th. And we had, to, we both texted each other and were like, I think we should wait a week. Yeah. Because I was like, I don't feel good about doing that. But yeah. it's still our anniversary. I feel like that's fitting. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. It's fitting. But we'll be back. We'll have stats. Um. We'll talk about some of the, th- the rankings of our episodes we had a we might do something a little different with like uh how we were gonna rank stuff we still were we, Hannah and I want to talk yeah, about it because we had a, we'll a less yeah. episode year or so yeah and we'll cut that to just for us to say that so we remember that, that we need to do that but anyway yeah so uh we're almost done with the year uh very thrilled to be actually be able to cover things because um if you haven't listened to our previous episodes we were not covering anything that fell under um the acting writing strike because we wanted to stand in solidarity with those people who were um striking so we're back though and we can cover important things and we have um plans for some fun episodes coming up in the next um new year so look forward to some of those and uh, we'll see you next time bye Oh, oh do we want to talk oh oh, <laughs> oh it's been a while uh yeah we it's have while, our yeah. we have our instagram we have letterbox we have our email r 3 podcast at gmail.com and uh yeah if you have any you think the polar express is also a middle mid-tier movie let me know uh, i love yeah. to see some fellow polar express junkies like me uh, give us your polar express or your christmas movie opinions. yeah we'd love to hear any comments questions concerns yeah. um send them to hannah specifically. send them directly to me and uh um, yeah. my phone number is no i'm just kidding um uh, boom, boom, boom. my social security number is yeah oh, my um, credit card number is yeah my address is <laughs> uh but yeah that's it for this year so yeah goodbye 2023 you Bye haven't been good, good to us Goodbye. Yeah, good riddance. Yes. Truly the darkest timeline, I think. Yes. Of the 2023 I fear year. fear it gets darker. Anyways, goodbye. I hope not. <laughs> Bye. Bye. We would like to thank Joseph McDade for our intro music. He provides free music available for all kinds of creative use. The song that we used is called Sunrise Expedition, and you can find it and his other music on his website, josephmcdade.com. If you would like to reach us, you can email us at r3podcasts at gmail.com. That's R, the number three, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Instagram by searching Research Rank Repeat.